people here. So um, we're in a, a series today um, called Helping Our Community. Uh, my name is Steve, for anyone who I've not met before, um, and it's great to have you with us today in the room and online as well. Um, I uh, want to tell you a little story about something that happened uh, about 10 or 11 years ago. I was working from home at the time. I worked for a company designing greetings cards, <clears throat> um, and uh, there was a knock on the front door. And uh, I opened the door, and it was somebody who I kind of knew a little bit. I, hadn't, I didn't really know them that well. Um, but when I opened the door to them, bearing in mind they'd come to my front door, there was an element of shock on their face when I opened the door. And what followed was quite a strange conversation. Um, here's what they said. They said, oh, it's you. Encouraging way to like start a conversation with someone, isn't it? Um, they were obviously surprised to see me. Um, but then they said this. They said, well, that's good news because I have knocked on today knowing that this would be a house of peace. And I just, to be honest, just looked at them a bit gone out here at this point. They then went on to ramble for a little bit about how they knew that when they knocked on this door, there would be a person of peace just waiting to help them. So I asked the simple question, well, how can I help you then? And here is what they said to me. They said, uh, well, I need a wee. Can I use your toilet? It wasn't what I expected, but I happily obliged and um, let them use the loo. Um, and then he left after reiterating to me um, about how like, it was so good to have come today and knocked on a house of peace. I'd never heard this phrase before, um, but afterwards when they left and I kind of processed what had gone, um, I realized why they had looked surprised to see me. And the reason is that I had, me and Ruth had not long started renting this house that we were in um, from somebody that used to come to this church called Simon. He moved over to the States. And so clearly he was expecting to see Simon, who he thought was a person of peace who would let him use their loo. Um, now, when he knocked on the door and said he was hoping for some help, I thought maybe he would want some money or perhaps he'd broken down, needed that kind of thing. But it turns out he just needed the loo. And I was happy to help my community in that way. Um, earlier this year, we launched our vision, helping our community, that we want to be a church that is helping our community. And when we talk about community, there's kind of a few elements to that. So literally, there is the community that we as a church find ourselves in here in Witness. So the community that we are in here in this geographical location. Secondly, there's the community that we all find ourselves in because we don't all live in this community. So whether you're in Widnes or Runcorn or St. Helens or Warrington or um, the Northwich area, like wherever it might be, wherever people in, are coming to this church or online, like there's that element of community as well. And then thirdly, there's this element of community that we make up together. So whether that's kind of from our in-person service or our online community or um, the community that takes place with... Um, uh, other places that we have community here, connect groups, FDK, FDY, uh, Starlight, like the different elements of community that take, play, take place here among us as a church. And so what we want to do in the coming weeks is we want to look together 
at what it means to be helping our communities. And I guess a simple challenge for us, um, and kind of here's the link to that random story, is like, are we known as a house of peace? Like in our community, whether that's uh, where we live physically, whether that's for us as a church here, like in the different groups that we do, do people kind of know us to be people of peace? Do people know us to be people of hope? Do people know us to be people of love and joy and kindness and um, all these different characteristics that are good ways to help our community? And the way that we're going to kind of journey through this series is we're going to look at a passage in the Bible together in Galatians chapter 5. And we're going to spend some time in this together. Um, But before we read it, I just want to give a bit of context because we're always really conscious and appreciate that maybe some people aren't familiar with the Bible. You might be new to church. And so let me just explain a little bit. The Bible is made up of 66 different books. The Bible is split into two. There's the Old Testament and there's the New Testament. And within these 66 books, we've got books of historical accounts. We've got books that are um, songs. We've got books that are poems. There's um, books that are prophecies. And prophecies are just really predictions that God gave to men and women that then came to pass. And so within the Bible, we've got this book called Galatians, and Galatians comes under the letters that are written, because there were also letters that were written to different churches. And so we're going to look at this letter specifically to a church in a place called Galatia. And this group of people, the Galatians, they are in a place called Asia Minor, which today we would call Turkey. And they're being written this letter from a man called Paul. And Paul, he was a follower of Jesus in Bible times. And he started this church in this place called Galatia on what was one of his kind of what we call a missionary journey. And so Paul was going around and he was starting churches up and then he was leaving people there to lead the church whilst he went on then to start other churches up. Now the thing is that since Paul started this church in Galatia, he then moved on to other places, but news got to him that basically there was trouble in the church at Galatia. There was some problems going on. And the problem was this, that there was these kind of false teachers that had come to the church in Galatia, and they said, look, here's the thing, all of this stuff that you've kind of heard is fine, but you're missing the main point, which is that you need to get circumcised. And so these false teachers were bringing something of the Jewish um, kind of history, the Mosaic law, and saying, you need to do this. And then there was all these kind of divisions in the church. And so Paul writes them a letter to address these divisions because there's issues and there's problems. And he makes something super clear. You don't need to get circumcised to be a follower of Jesus. I honestly thought there'd be a deep amen at that point. Um, But like, praise God for Paul and that news that he brought to the church at Galatia. And then Paul goes into something, which is what we're going to look at together today, which I think is a super helpful kind of passage for us as a church to journey together to look at what it means to help our community because he goes on to talk about the need to serve one another in love he says that there's a freedom from the law but the freedom doesn't mean that we can then go on and do whatever we want the freedom comes so that then we could serve one another in love so we're going to read this together 
as we read through this passage, we'll pause at different points um, and, and just look together at what, we're, what we can take from it. It's going to come up on the screen as well so you can follow along with me. So it says this, it says, For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. And we'll pause there for a moment. Paul is quoting here from the Old Testament. It's a part in a book called Leviticus. And it's the essence of the law. And it's something as well that Jesus declared to be really important. Jesus was asked, what's the most important commandment? And he said, well, it's to love the Lord your God with all your heart. But then also it's to love your neighbor as yourself. And so what we've got here is we've got this advice about the need to love your neighbor. Now, the word neighbor in its original meaning here just means people around you. And so we could take from this that it ultimately the word that we might use today very simply is community. It means to love the people around you in your community as yourself. So we get this call from the Old Testament, from Moses, God speaking through Moses. We get it here from Paul and we know it's something that Jesus reiterated and said it's so important to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, I've kind of been reflecting on this verse a lot and thinking about what it means and just kind of pondering because to love our community, to love our neighbors as ourselves, well, I don't know about you, but I don't always love things about myself, whether that's kind of um, physical appearance or characteristics about myself that I don't really love. So if I don't really love those things about myself, how do I express that to other people? Does that mean that I don't love other things about other people? I don't think that that is what this means. I think what this means is that when we're in a healthy place, what do we want? We want the best for ourselves, right? And so what it means is that we need to desire the best for other people. To love your neighbor, to love your community is to love others with good intentions. It's to desire for their happiness. It's to believe for good over them. It's to believe for their success. And it's to want them to avoid harm and suffering. And oftentimes, actually, in society, that can be quite a radical concept. The reason why it's radical is because what that does when we want the best for others is it cuts across any selfishness within us. Because when you want the best for someone else, no matter what that might be, it's really difficult to be selfish then. So it's not about coming to a place then here where it's about loving yourself. It's more about how we can express that love to others, to want the best for them. And I think that actually Jesus summed it up nicely for us in um, Matthew. Again, Matthew is one of the followers of Jesus and he helpfully recorded for us the words of Jesus and the things that Jesus did. And here's what Jesus said. He said, here is a simple rule of thumb guide for behavior. Ask yourself what you want people to do for you, then grab the initiative and do it for others. I think that's great advice from Jesus about what it means to help others and to love others. How often have we wished that people would have treated us in a certain way 
And what Jesus is saying is, well, when you reflect on how you wish other people would treat you, there's a lesson to be learned there about how we should treat others. And so what does it mean to serve one another in love? I think there's two elements to this. There's us when we're kind of out and about in our, our weekly lives, whatever we're doing, wherever we're working or going to education or in our family lives or whatever it might be. Like maybe you have a new neighbor and it's about thinking, well, what could I do for my neighbor that would help them, that would show them love? It's about being a friendly face. I really think that so often, so much in our society could be fixed with just a simple smile. And I'm a frowner by nature, so I have to work hard at that. So I apologize if I've ever frowned at you. I promise you it's not an expression of how I feel towards you. But I just think in society, a smile can go a long way. It's about being a a helpful, friendly face sometimes to people. It's about looking out for people who are on their own. It's about checking in perhaps with maybe an elderly neighbor that needs any help with something. It's about being generous in our time or our finances or with our encouragement. And let me just say on behalf of um, our lead team this week, like thank you for so many of you who have been so encouraging over these last couple of weeks. It goes a long way. We appreciate it. It's about how we might offer to help people um, practically. Maybe it's cooking a meal for someone who is unwell. Or maybe it's cooking a meal for someone who's had a new addition to the family. And you know what? That help in that time is just a a great resource. Um, It could be about offering your skills or your talents to help others. Maybe you're good at gardening or you're good at decorating or you're good at fixing things or you're good with like uh, mechanics. And if you are, please come and help me. Um, but like, how could you offer your, your help, your, uh, your skills to other people? It's perhaps it's offering a lift to someone to an appointment at hospital or it's just being someone who's going to sit with someone who's unwell in hospital or being a listening ear to someone who's feeling lonely or struggling with their mental health. The list is endless. There's so many different ways that we could be a help to our community. And then what about us kind of together as a collective as the church? Well, it comes through, for example, responding to an appeal that we had recently to support um, families who have arrived in our area from Ukraine. And that was like financial support. That was with clothes. That was with furniture. And like, again, thank you for your help and your support to our community. Maybe it's donating food to our kitchen cupboard in the, the trolley over there. Um, putting, helping to put food on the table for people who are just struggling at the moment. And like now more than ever, I promise you that you, you know this yourself, there's such a need. And so if you're able to do that, that's a way that you can love one another and help our community. It's perhaps about, as we've heard today, being part of a connect group. And, you know, being part of the Connect group, which, by the way, I think is going to be booming soon. You're going to need that extension. Um, like, free food is just a win, isn't it? But, like, being part of a Connect group, what that does is you're there to help support other people in community. It might be through listening. It might be through offering some experience in life that you have through praying with one another. It's about helping children and young people navigate through life. By being a listening ear or offering wisdom in, in FDK and FDY and make lunch um, and, and just getting alongside children and young people and having fun. Maybe it's about being a welcoming person 
um, to people who have left conflict, who have left family and friends in desperation just to find a place of safety. There's an organization that we work with, and at the moment, they are really in need of people who might be able to just give a few hours a week just to come alongside, just to, to be a support for um, refugees and asylum seekers in the witness area. And all that involves is just if you've got a couple of hours a week that you might be able to help them if they say, I need help to perhaps um, become uh, registered with a doctors or whatever it might be, they are in need of that help and support right now in our community. And so if you've got some time that you might be able to offer to do that, um, come and speak to me. There's so many different ways, though, that we could love our neighbors as ourselves in helping our community. But here's a thought and here's a question. What about when we don't want to help our neighbors? What about when we don't want to help people in our community because they annoy us or we don't really like them or maybe they're like our enemies? Well, this passage in Galatians, I think, offers us some really helpful wisdom on this. I, I, I'm sensing maybe I'm the only one that sometimes doesn't want to help people in our community. Is it just me or no? You don't have to admit to that. That's fine. But let's just read on in this passage together. It says this. But if you are always biting and devouring one another, which gives us an idea of what was going on amongst this community at the time, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. There's a lot of behavior there that's listed, that ultimately isn't going to help us to be helpful for our community. Things that are rooted in selfishness, in pride, and in envy, but things that we all fall into the trap of in our lives. But the key here is when Paul says in verse 16, and we'll just look at this verse again, he says, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Because there's this conflict going on within us. There's our sinful nature that wants to do bad things. And then there's the Holy Spirit who comes to guide us and help us so that we don't do those things. And this is the key. Because when we're left to ourselves, loving our neighbor, being helpful to our community, it won't always come straightforward. Without the, uh, the help of the Holy Spirit, we'll be led by our sinful nature to do things that are evil. But evil doesn't and won't help our community. It will hinder 
our community. So what does it mean then for the Holy Spirit to guide us? And again, maybe some of you are new to church and you're thinking, well, who even is this Holy Spirit? God is three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And when God the Father sent Jesus to this world to come to help rescue us from sin, and then Jesus died, and then he was resurrected, he came back to life, and then he went back to heaven. But helpfully, God didn't leave us to fend for ourselves. He sent the Holy Spirit. He sent the Holy Spirit to bring us power. He sent the Holy Spirit to guide us. And he sent the Holy Spirit ultimately to change us, to help us, and to bring us victory in different areas of our lives. And so here's the way that the Holy Spirit helps us. If we read on these last two verses, it says this. Or uh, four verses even. It says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. And so it's this fruit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And that's not literal fruit. Like the Holy Spirit isn't going to suddenly hang like bananas and apples off us. It's like these are characteristics that the Holy Spirit wants to grow in our lives. Why? So that we can love one another, so that we can help our community, so that we can represent the love of Jesus to the world around us. I don't have an awful lot of experience of growing fruit, but I do actually have some experience that might be helpful to us today. Um, because I imagine that actually a few of you, more of you have probably grown fruit than you realize because I've done my research this week. And according to the National Botanical Society, which does exist, if you've ever tried to grow tomatoes or peppers or cucumbers or pumpkins or even string beans, then you can count yourself as a fruit farmer because they're classed as fruit, apparently. And I once attempted to grow some of these things. Somebody gave me some seeds um, and so I attempted to grow them. And when harvest time came, here's what I had. I had two um, tomatoes that looked like cherry tomatoes. They were meant to have been full-grown tomatoes, but they looked like cherry tommies. And then I had some shriveled up peppers. And that was about it. It didn't go well. I learned three things as a fruit farmer in that season of my life. I learned this. I learned that um, it's really hard. It takes time. And I'm not very good at it. And you know what? I think the same is true for the fruit of the Spirit. It takes time to grow in our lives. We have to work hard at it. And as we've just read together, there will be times when our sinful nature, our selfish ambition will come and get in the way of those things. And so what do we do? We keep asking the Holy Spirit, will you help us? There's a pastor in New York called Rich Velodis, and I've been um, listening to his book at the moment, Good and Beautiful and Kind. And he says this. He says, the fruit of the Holy Spirit grows slowly. There is no shortcut to them. The assumption that many carry is that God can produce something in us quickly 
but fruit is grown over time. The gifts of the Spirit are enormous. Uh, are, sorry, the gifts of the Spirit are given generously and quickly. Not so with the fruit of the Spirit. One of the dangers is we expect the gifts of the Spirit to quickly do what only the fruit of the Spirit is meant to do slowly. So give yourself grace. We are all on the journey. I love that reminder that there is no shortcut to the fruit of the Spirit. It's available for us all. But just like with growing actual fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, it's not going to come overnight in our lives. And if you've been following Jesus for some time, you'll know that to be true, right? It doesn't just come automatically. We need to keep coming to the Holy Spirit and asking him to help us and to grow these characteristics in our lives. And so as a a church, we're going to take the next, I think it's seven weeks together, to journey through these fruit of the Spirit and to ask God together by his Spirit to help to grow within us a heart that is ready to help our community, to love our neighbor, to be people of love, of joy, of peace, of patience, of kindness, of goodness, of faithfulness, of gentleness, and of self-control. Because it's these characteristics that will help point others to Jesus. I believe that our community will be far better off when we are producing this kind of fruit in our conversations, in our interactions, and in how we serve one another. What I believe is this though, and this is the challenge to us all today. I think that as we spend time looking at these fruit of the Spirit, these characteristics, we've got a choice to make. Either we want them to grow in our lives or we don't. And so if we want them, then we need to ask the Holy Spirit to guide us and to help us. But how many of us know that when we try to kind of grow in these characteristics, it's likely then that there's some negative stuff in our lives that's going to need to fall away, that's going to need to be dealt with. And so that might at times be a bit painful as we've got to become real with where we're at with certain things in our lives. Like I'm already not looking forward to the week about patience because I know there's something to deal with me in that week. But I'll, I'll be patient and wait for that. But I think that the challenge to us all is this. If we want to be a church that is helping our community, then we've got to be prepared for God to do a work in our lives so that we can represent him to the world around us. And so I wonder if you are prepared to commit to this journey together. And if you are prepared, then I want to just ask you to do something really simple, which is just to stand with me or or just to do something. You might not be able to stand, but just do something in some way that just says, yep, I'm on this journey of helping our community and I recognize I need the Holy Spirit to help me because there's stuff in my life that I tell you what isn't very helpful to our community. And so I want him to change me from the inside out. And so if that's you, I just want to invite you just to stand with me or do something now, just to respond in some way. I'm going to pray for us and then we're just going to sing this last song together, which is all about building our lives on Jesus. Father God, just in this room today and online as well, you see our hearts 
God, you see the, the stuff that is in us, the mess that is in us, the sin that is in us. And God, today we just are coming before you today saying, will you do a work within us to help us? God, will you help bring victory in our lives from different areas of sin in our lives? God, ultimately so that we can become more like you, so that we can together find freedom in our lives and so that together we can help our community. God, we recognize that this might be painful at times, but we know that you are gentle and that you are there to help us and love us and guide us and grow within us just the work of your spirit. So Holy Spirit, will you guide us? Holy Spirit, will you lead us? Will you help us so that as a church, we can be helping our community? In Jesus' name, amen.